book six chapter sixteen of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter sixteen the revolting story i had heard in the barracks haunted me i had thought incessantly of my poor little lady taken out of the schoolroom to face a position which would be horrifying even in idea to a right-minded woman of the world what the girl's mental sufferings must have been only a girl can tell and ever since the incubus of that elderly man of unclean antecedents all that had been incomprehensible about evadne was obvious now and also the mistake she had made during the most important part of the time when a woman is ripe for her best experiences when she should be laying in a store of happy memories to fall back upon when memory becomes her principal pleasure in life evadne had lived alone shut up in herself her large intelligence idle or misapplied and her hungry heart seeking such satisfaction as it could find in pleasant imaginings as she went about punctually performing her ineffectual duties or sat silently sewing she had been to all outward seeming an example to be revered of graceful wifehood and womanliness but when one came to know what her inner life had become in consequence of the fatal repression of the best powers of her mind it was evident that she was in reality a miserable type of a woman wasted the natural bent of the average woman is devotion to home and husband and children but there are many women to whom domestic duties are distasteful and these are now making life tolerable for themselves by finding more congenial spheres of action there are many women however above the average who are quite capable of acquitting themselves creditably both in domestic and public life and evadne was one of these had she been happily married she would undoubtedly have been one of the first to distinguish herself one of the foremost in the battle which women are waging against iniquity of every kind her keen insight would have kept her sympathies actively alive and her disinterestedness would have made her careless of criticism that was her nature but nature thwarted ceases to be beneficent she places us here fully equipped for the part she has designed us to play in the world and if we men or women neglect to exercise the powers she has bestowed upon us the consequences are serious i did not understand at the time what evadne meant when she said that she had made it impossible for herself to act i thought she had deliberately shirked her duty under the mistaken idea that she would make life pleasanter for herself by doing so but i learnt eventually how the impulse to act had been curbed before it quickened by her promise to colonel cahoon which had in effect forced her into the disastrous attitude which we had all such good reason to deplore it seemed cruel that all the most beautiful instincts of her being her affection her unselfishness 
even her modest reserve and womanly self-restraint should have been used to injure her but that is exactly what had happened and now the difficulty was how to help her how to rouse her from the unwholesome form of self-repression which had brought about her present morbid state of mind i was sitting up late the night after my second visit to sir shadwell rock considering the matter sir shadwell's advice was still the same send her to me but the initial difficulty how to get her to go remained how to draw her from the dreary seclusion of her home in the woman's sphere and persuade her that hours of ease are only to be earned in action i thought again of lady adeline and sat down to write to her the household had retired and the night was oppressively silent i felt overcome with fatigue but was painfully wide awake as happens very often when i am anxious about a bad case but this was the third night since i had been in bed and i thought now i would go when i had finished my letter to lady adeline and do my best to sleep as i crossed the hall which was in darkness save for the candle i carried in my hand i fancied i heard an unaccountable sound a dull thud thud coming from i could not tell whence for the moment the senses are singularly acute in certain stages of fatigue and mine were all alive that night to any impression my hearing especially so and there was no mistake i had stopped short to listen and impossible as i knew it would have been at any other time i was sure that i could distinctly hear a horse galloping on the turf of the common more than a mile away a mounted horse with a rider who was urging him to his utmost speed and in some inexplicable manner i also became conscious of the fact that the horseman was a messenger sent in all haste for me mechanically i put my candle down and opened the hall door it was a bright night the fresh invigorating frosty air seemed to clear my mental vision still more strongly as it blew in upon me diavolo in mess dress his cap gone his fair hair blown back by the wind breathless with excitement and speed with thought suspended but dry lips uttering incessantly a cry for help galbraith 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 my pulses kept time to the thud of the horse's hoofs on the common i waited i had not the shadow of a doubt that i was wanted but i did not ask myself by whom the sound only ceased for a perceptible second or so at the lodge gates were they open had he cleared them what a jump thud he must be well mounted on the drive now the gravel is flying across the lawn diavolo good speed indeed scarcely five minutes since i heard him first till he stopped at the steps in the starlight hoarsely panting galbraith galbraith i am here my boy what is it come come to her at once colonel cahoon is dead the mind quickened by the shock of a startling piece of intelligence 
suddenly sums up our suspicions for us sometimes in one crisp homely phrase this is what mine did the murder is out i thought the moment diavolo spoke evadne was this the end of it such a state of mind as hers had been lately might continue for the rest of her life to her torment without influencing her actions but on the other hand an active phase might supervene at any moment diavolo had dismounted and sat down on one of the steps utterly exhausted here take the reins he said and mount i'm done i'll look after myself don't waste a moment i needed no urging i have actually meditated murder lately murder murder for my own benefit the horrible phrases in regular succession kept time to the rhythmical ring of the iron shoes on the frozen ground as the horse returned with me still at a steady gallop to as you like it i had recognized the animal it was the same fine charger which colonel cahoon himself had been riding so admirably on parade the last time i saw him only yesterday morning murder actually murder for my own benefit no no stumble hold up only a stone shall we ever be there suspense murder actually no it shall not be that hope is the word i want beat it out of the hardened earth hope 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 nothing nothing but hope we had arrived at last no one about doors open lights flaring and a strange silence leaving the horse to do as he liked i walked straight upstairs and on the first landing i met evadne's maid i hoped it was you sir come this way she whispered and pushed open a door which stood already ajar gently as if afraid of disturbing some sleeper it was colonel cahoon's bedroom large and luxurious like the man himself he was stretched upon the bed in evening dress his gray face upward one glance at that sufficed but almost before i had crossed the threshold i was conscious of an indescribable sense of relief there were four persons in the room that poor old begad major who could not ride and captain bartlett both hastily summoned from the depot evidently and still in mess dress dr james in ordinary morning costume with a covert coat on and evadne herself in a black evening dress open at the throat it was her attitude that relieved my mind the moment i saw her she was seated beside the bed crying heartily and healthily the three gentlemen stood just behind her gravely concerned silent sympathetic helpless waiting for me no one spoke for the dead reverence i stood by the bed looking down on the splendid frame prone now and inert and again i thought of the last time i had seen him a fine figure of a man finely mounted and exercising his authority arrogantly i looked into the blank countenance 
no other man on earth had ever called forth curses from my inmost soul such as i had uttered to my shame in one great burst of rage that had surprised me and shaken my fortitude the night before as i journeyed back alone without the slightest prospect that i could see of saving her the blank face decently composed his right hand palm upward was stretched out toward me as if he were offering it to me and thankful i was to feel that i could clasp it honestly i had not a word or look on my conscience for which i deserved a reproach from the dead man lying there i took his hand a doctor doing a perfunctory duty no a last natural right an act of reconciliation in that solemn moment still holding his hand and gazing down into his face i rejoiced to feel that the trouble had passed from my soul that the rage and bitterness were no more and that only the touching thought of his kindly hospitality and perfect confidence in my own integrity a confidence impossible in a man who has not himself the saying grace of a better nature would remain with me from that time forth for ever i laid my hand on evadne's shoulder and she looked up ah have you come she cried her voice broken with sobs that shook her is it really true can nothing be done oh poor poor man what a life what a death a miserable miserable misspent life and such an end in a moment without a word of warning and all these years when i have been beside him silent and helpless if only i could have done something to help him said something surely surely there was something i might have done she held her clasped hands out toward me the familiar gesture appealing to me to blame her thank heaven i inwardly ejaculated this is as it should be in the presence of eternal death her own transient sufferings were forgotten and healthy human pity destroyed any sense of personal injury she might have cherished we four men stood awkwardly patiently by for several minutes listening to her innocent self-upbraidings knowing her story and touched beyond expression by the utter absence of all selfish sentiment in any word she said when she was quite exhausted i drew her hand through my arm and took her to her own room cardiac syncope was the cause of death colonel cahoon had been out that evening and had through some mistake of the coachman's missed his carriage and walked home in a towering rage the exertion and excitement acting together on a heart already affected had brought on the attack he was storming violently in the hall with his face flushed crimson so the servants told us when all at once he stopped and called evadne twice as if in alarm and mrs cahoon ran down from the drawing-room but before she could reach him he fell on the floor and never spoke again End of book six chapter sixteen